Hello, Aspies, and welcome to another edition of Inside the Asperger Studios. I'm Reed Miles, and today I'm joined with Nicola from Malta, and we're going to talk about dating and sex counseling in relationship-wise. So, welcome to the show, Nicola. Thank you very much for happy, having me. I'm very happy to be here. So, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. So, um, as you said, I'm from Malta. I graduated in psychology a couple of years ago, and I'm currently training to become a psychotherapist. Um, I've been working in the field of sexual health for the last uh, six years, and for the last four years, I've been running a dating program called Dating 101 um, under Willingness, which is a multidisciplinary team of professionals that offers services related to family, sex, and health. And uh, this year we launched a sex clinic, which is a specialized clinic for uh, sexual health and sex and relationship and dating um, issues and services. And one of those uh, programs that is uh, run under the psychosexual education um, segment is dating on the spectrum. So we are working with different persons that are on the ASD spectrum, basically, to support them with dating. All right. Um can you tell me a little bit about your clinic and how do you handle those who are on the spectrum? Yes, so as a clinic, we are a multidisciplinary team. So there are different services that are offered. When it comes to uh, the diagnosis of, of autism, we have a clinical psych- uh, yeah, an educational psychologist that um, conducts assessments both for children and for adults. So that's one uh, one area where we support persons on the um, on the spectrum. When it comes to dating and relationships, this is tackled either with, uh, with the sex therapist or psychosexual education, which is something that I take care of. Um, and we support depending on whatever kind of is, is necessary. So when it comes to diagnosis or support of parents and families, um, we uh, offer services such as family therapy, um, parent coaching, and different support when it comes to anything from issues at school to issues with behavior to issues with uh, body language, anything of the sort, all the way to relationships. That's very interesting. I mean, so you really help out the autistic community with understanding everything from how to read a person, how to communicate. And what is your success? Yeah, very much so. And what is your success rate with that? I mean, do you see positive results coming from that? There are definitely positive results. When it comes to the Dating 101 program itself, it's something relatively new. So I'm currently working with a number of different clients that are consistently making improvements um, when it comes to their, um, how do you say, I guess, dating intelligence. (laughs) Um, uh, But of course, uh, when when it comes to success in terms of statistics and all of that, that's not something I can kind of give a, an estimate, but there is definite progress. When it comes to supporting families, this is something we've been doing for a longer number of years, so there we can estimate success a bit better. Since we are a multidisciplinary team, the way that we work is that um, as a clinic, we have about 12, 15 professionals that are coming from the psychotherapeutic background, and we meet twice per month to discuss different cases, and we support each other from the perspectives of the different professions. So let's say the family therapist is presenting a case of a family where they've uh, one of the members has been diagnosed with autism, so we need to see how best we can support them so that we can adapt to anything that needs adapting. And there will be the parent coach that can give support with that, the career coach that can give support 
supported that. So it makes for a more holistic approach. So this, of course, means that the family can have better access to different resources because they don't need to go to five different places. It's one place where you can get everything that you need. Um, when it comes to, to dating, mostly I've been working with individuals, males mostly, um, and the, the main issues presented were, uh, you know, getting prepared for a first date or how to continue dating once you've been on the first date. So we are we are working on these on these different scenarios so that whether it is with the current partner or a future partner, you know, the person is better equipped and better, um, I guess informed on on what best to do in these situations very interesting what issues have you seen coming from those on the spectrum coming to you for help with like communications like with a dating wise what kind of problems arise mm -hmm. well as we know persons that are on the autism spectrum um generally uh, i mean everybody's different but there are issues with, for example, understanding body language. So this is one of the main things that we work on, um, understanding nonverbal cues and verbal cues and how to respond to them. Because this is, of course, a very important part of, of understanding whether you're connecting with someone, whether um, this person has interests that you are also interested in and that you can connect with. So body language is, is one of the first things that we generally work on. Other issues that are generally presented are conversational issues. So how do I keep a conversation going without becoming, uh, without it becoming an interrogation because I'm asking too many questions? Or how do I keep a conversation going by realizing whether the topic is interesting or not, or, or to learn more about the person? So in this situation, we, we role model different conversations and how to respond to different, to different um, scenarios. And, and I discuss things such as the difference between open-ended and closed-ended questions, because when you have closed-ended questions, it's more difficult then to flow on with the same conversation so they would present open-ended questions with persons that are um, more experienced with dating and relationships we also i've also had um questions or i've been supporting clients when it comes to sexual health so anything from protection what you need to know about having sex um, and any different questions that come about anatomy and anything like that um, and then other issues that have also been presented are things such as where do I actually go on a date or how, how do I go about planning a mm -hmm. date or, or realizing kind of where to start off in, in, in the dating um, world. Do I start off online or do I go ahead and meet a person face to face and then see how that goes? Of course, it's different for everybody and it completely, it's, it's something very, very individual and very personal. So there's a lot of work that goes into seeing, you know, what, uh, understanding what you need and what you like so that you can start to see what person fits best. So a lot of the mm -hmm. work is, first of all, seeing what the person needs and wants and then learning how to align that with somebody else. Uh, that just brings me to my next question, which is, how do you approach a client on the spectrum when it comes to talking about sex? Because I know in the autistic community, we're a majority of them are very introverted and very afraid to talk. Because I think a lot of them think it's taboo just to even talk about it. Yes, well, definitely. Well, I guess um, I, I would approach it the same way that I approach it with, with a neurotypical person in the sense that if 
I, I focus on whatever the goal is. So if the goal of the client is to go on a date, we will stick with that. And then we will move step by step. The, with the clients that I've worked with when it comes to sexual health, normally it's because they approached with the topic that themselves. So this was what they wanted support on. What has really helped us in, in Malta is that um, as willingness, we, we do have a TikTok platform <laughs> where we post 60 second sex education videos about a variety of topics. So this has made it easier for persons, um, for, for anybody really, but also persons on the, on the spectrum to know that we are you know, comfortable to talk about this topic. So that makes it easier for people to approach us. We also um, give sex education in schools, um, in, in, in different schools across Malta and Gota, or a sister island, which is where we meet a lot of, a lot of youth. Um, any bit, anywhere from from te- early teens to to um, late teens and young adults. So there, we also would have already have a relationship with with these uh, individuals because we'd have met them in different sex education classes along the years. So in this way, it becomes a bit easier than to approach a subject because we've already established a context where it's completely safe to ask questions where we are experienced in answering any kind of question. There is no question that's off limit. So that makes it a bit easier to discuss it. Yeah, I like the fact that you're using TikTok that shows you're using more modern technology to help talk to the teens out there because it's a platform they're familiar with. Exactly, exactly. I mean, that's very brilliant to do. I mean, not many people would think about using TikTok. They would have thought maybe Instagram or even have a Facebook group, but TikTok, I mean, that's, I mean, it's been around a while, but it's getting, it's, it's getting its just dues now. Yes. And I mean, the response has been fantastic because especially in Malta, we are a very tiny island. We've, uh, our background is very religious and conservative and things have changed, but of course there's still, you know, as with any, any kind of taboo topic, it's something that needs always more progress, mm-hmm. but we are at the stage where it's becoming, um, you know, how would you say more, more important even for parents and for teachers to be aware of the topic. So this is the way that we approach sex, that we don't just talk to the, to the youth and to the children, but we also talk to the parents and to the teachers. And this way it's a community-based approach towards the topic. So then, as you said, when we're targeting different platforms such as TikTok, we are then able to access individuals that maybe aren't comfortable to ask questions to your parents, to your teachers or in class, because there it's a completely anonymous platform, especially if you have an anonymous profile and you're just watching as a guest. But we do take questions even from the comments, and that's how we continue to to um, answer even more um, questions, any question. So this way, it's become easier for us then to to pick on different topics because somebody can be like, "Well, I saw this video about this particular topic, and I'd like to know more about it." And this way, it's always making it more more easy and approachable for people to to ask the different questions because it really starts from there asking the question and then conversation generally flows a bit easier once we're at that point yeah now do you have any problems with your clients with dealing especially on the autism spectrum with dealing with like eye contact like when you're trying to talk to them about sex or dating do they do you tend to see their eyes kind of like drift off from looking directly at you and looking elsewhere 
Well, not, I mean, every single person is different. There are persons that um, have difficulty with eye contact in general, not just around the topic of sex. Um, I haven't really noticed anybody change their um, behavior directly because we are talking about sex. But as I've said with most clients, I haven't worked specifically on sex. It's only a few that approach me appropriately about that. But yes, eye contact is one of the things that also is is something that we work on because and this is goes back to the body language mm-hmm. the understanding eye contact is, is a huge part of of being able to maintain a conversation and understand if somebody's on the same page as you conversation wise so yes it is something i've noticed and it's something that that i'm aware of and normally i would i would ask you know is is this topic uncomfortable or would you like to change the topic um but mostly we just kind of continue on with the conversation and then see when best to to tackle that that specific issue where do you see your dating program going in three years from now i mean do you see it blossoming into this huge thing helping those out there on the spectrum definitely i mean i'd love to see first of all um to to reach out to even more communities for example working with couples and working with um, persons, neurotypical persons that are dating somebody on the autism spectrum disorder, for example, um, on the autism spectrum rather. And I also love to see it develop into a larger program. For example, we have, um, let's say, weekends or camps where we could bring persons together, where we could then have a larger group that is doing role plays and that is doing um, learning from each other, peer support. So I'd love to see this kind of um, program develop in Malta, even overseas. I mean, um, as willingness, we have communities across different countries um, in the world as well. So I would also like to be able to work um, on different platforms, be it online or be it in another country. So I do see that there is a lot um, that can be done in, in when it comes to dating um, and I mean, when it comes to relationships, since every single relationship is so different, I think there's so much that can be done to be able to have persons better equipped and more emotionally intelligent to be able to to deal with different relationships. So I think there's there's a lot that this program can can go. There's a lot where it can grow. What inspired you to create this dating program? I mean, there had to be some kind of inclination or request from those on the spectrum that you're working with that say, hey, can you help us with the dating scene? Mm -hmm. I think what inspired me the most is that, um, I mean, I'm very passionate about the topic of dating in general and sex education in general. So um, now I feel quite equipped to work with with different youth because I've been doing it for, for quite a long time. And we got to a point when we launched a sex clinic where we were saying, okay, now that we have these resources, what other communities can we support? And we have met along the way in different schools, persons that are um, on the on the spectrum or persons that struggle with any other kind of, of difficulties, being with physical disabilities, for example, because we also do consultations for persons that are um, have any kind of physical disabilities, for example. And we did meet people on the spectrum along the way. And I felt that this was an area that maybe there isn't enough resources on and when I did look um, online, there I felt like there weren't many ways that Maltese youth could reach out for support. 
And I thought, you know, I have the platform, I have the service, so why not look into it myself? And that's when I started to seek out further training. I did further training um, to be able to be uh, better informed myself. In my psychology training, I was already um, uh, trained on, on, on this topic, but I sought further training and I'm working with different professionals in the team so that um, whenever there's any other support that is needed, it can be given. But that was the main inspiration. I mean, as, as a professional, this is what I want to do. I want to be able to always um, offer more and more services to anybody, anybody that, that needs it. And sometimes I think it can start off with even just one person that you say, okay, I really wanted to help this person. So why not offer it to you know, anybody else? Interesting. Very interesting. Can you go into a little bit more detail on your program? Yes, sure. So um, it is on a one-to-one basis. So persons attend our clinic um, either in person. We also have an online platform, which is safe and encrypted that can be accessed um, basically from, from anywhere. anywhere. Um, and um, in the initial meeting, I would basically get to know the person a little bit, collect some background on history, dating experience, um, the main goals or difficulties that the person wishes to address. So in the beginning, it would be a case of getting to know the individual a bit more to see which areas I would need to support on. And then depending on that, I would direct accordingly. So the program has um, different materials that I use, such as presentations and different workbooks that we use so that we can have some some visual resources, some practical resources for persons that need different kind of um, different tools for them to be able to learn better. Um, a lot of the work involves role play, mm, observation of different um, scenarios. So we would watch clips from different movies or series and analyze what happened there, what kind of body language was seen there, what kind of response is there, is that a positive response, a negative response. So the first couple of sessions focus on understanding how to um, read the person better, be it through body language, be it through through. Uh, direct language, indirect language, so verbal and non-verbals. And then we would focus on um, conversation building. So we would practice um, talking about different topics, topics that are already an interest to the person, so different hobbies that they have, different interests, and then also topics that aren't necessarily an interest to the mm-hmm. person, so that you learn how to be able to continue a conversation, even in a, in a situation where a topic is new to you, because this is something that I've realized can be a bit difficult um, on, you know, some people tell me, well, I get completely blank when I hear about a topic I, have, I know nothing about. I feel like I shut off or I, I close off and I get anxious and then I'm silent. So we mm-hmm. learn how to react to these different situations. Um, then we also discuss things such as where do you go on a date? And we talk about things about such as going somewhere where um, there's little things that trigger you. So somebody that, somewhere that's familiar, somewhere where you've been before, somewhere where maybe there isn't too much noise or too much lighting, depending on what affects you. Um, to have food that you've had before in the case that it's food so that you don't have too many new um, things happening. And this way you can focus entirely on your date. Um, even 
we even discuss clothing, for example. A lot of people tend to, you know, go out and buy a whole new outfit mm. for, for going on a date. And then sometimes that's not very comfortable because it's not something you've worn before and then it's itching or it's not fitting quite the same way. So we tackle every little element of these different things. We then also practice, um, you know, so introducing some, yourself to somebody new, getting up and shaking a hand or offering somebody to sit down, um, inviting somebody to go inside or offering to have a coffee. So there's a lot of different um, aspects that go into it. And then with, with certain individuals, they, they actually went on a date, came back to me and we analyzed what happened. Was it positive? Was it negative? What did we learn from it? Are we going to go on a second date? Would this be a person that I would like to see again? So um, in, that, in that scenario, then we would work on, okay, so let's see how we're going to continue to communicate with this person, be it through WhatsApp, be it through Facebook, be it through whatever kind of social media platform. Um, so that's in, 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 in that situation. When it came to persons that were already in a relationship, what I normally was working on was difficulties such as understanding whether a person is angry at me or not because of the way they have received a text message or um, so kind of it's a bit more complicated there because with text messaging, mm-hmm. it, you know, things can be read yeah. <laughs> in a different way than, than you intend. So yes, these are just some some examples of the different things that 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 I do. That's very interesting. I mean, you really cover a lot of bases to really help those out. I mean, especially with analyzing the date, so they can figure out their next move on the next date. Exactly. Have yeah. you had anybody, what any of your clients that are on the spectrum, talk to you about like dating outside of someone who's not? autistic like dating someone who's neurotypical yes definitely um and realistically it works the same so the what the what we would be planning is the same in the same in the sense of understanding body language of understanding the way that the dates work what we the kind of questions that i face is is do i uh, explain that i'm on the spectrum straight off the bat or not and this is something that is really dependent on the person and and their previous experiences and what they're comfortable with um but but yes um there are persons that especially after seeing atypical the series <laughs> where they were like okay um Actually, I, I can date somebody that's not on the spectrum. Um, they weren't aware of that. And um, yes, of course, why not? So um, I haven't had that many clients that, that had the situation, but I've had this kind of request and these kind of questions. And realistically, it works the same way because at this point, I've only worked with the individual mm-hmm. that was on the spectrum. So we're working on the same, same things, whether it's continuing a conversation, whether it's reading language, etc. Have you had any issues with them coming to you and talking about how do I control my non-filter? How do I like stop myself from saying something that would either upset the person or embarrass myself? Yes, definitely. I mean, that's, I mean, what, what I, what I normally say is this is, this is everybody's fear. Everybody's afraid of saying something they shouldn't have said mm-hmm. or, you know, <laughs> foot in mouth kind of scenario. This happens to, to anybody. So we are all afraid of, you know, making a fool of ourselves on a date or um, saying something out of line. And what I normally discuss with them is, you know, what, what's, 
what's the worst that could happen in the situation. You realize that you've made a mistake and you apologize about it or we learn from it. Um, also, when we're practicing conversation, this is something that, that, that comes up there. So at what point do I, you know, stop asking about this topic if I'm realizing the person isn't responding or is being short, then maybe they don't want to really talk about this. Or if it's something that I'm not really comfortable to comment on, then maybe I just don't so that I avoid saying something that I don't actually mean. Um, but yes, I mean, this is something that, that is uh, a common, a common question, a common query, mm-hmm. you know, the, the fear of, of, of saying something that I shouldn't have and therefore fear of being rejected because of that. Um, but that comes part and parcel with dating. What I always say is that it's, it's a matter of practice as well. I mean, we, we get better by going through these experiences, by learning from the mistakes we make. And this is what makes us in the end human because we're all just, you know, experiencing the, the joy and the ups and the downs of dating by, by experiencing even the little mistakes and the little flaws. Yeah. I mean, have you had positive results from your clients about the program? I think the most positive result that I would talk about is confidence. That's- so people growing in their confidence and in their um, in their ability to say, you know what, I am going to to go for this this date, and I'm going to try and ask this this person out, and that has been the biggest growth that I've seen from my clients. Them becoming more confident in in their skills, communication skills, and in their ability to um, say, you know, I'm going to go on this date, and it's okay if it doesn't go well. Because this is the kind of the, the biggest um, hurdle to go through in the beginning, understanding that it's okay that it doesn't go well. And this is, from my experience with all kinds of clients, this is always one of the biggest um, hurdles. So that is one of the biggest, um, I would say, successes that there is, the, the confidence. And I think the second biggest success is somebody being able to start to realize how you can determine if a, if a date went well or not in terms of, okay, would I want to have another date with this person? Would this person be somebody that um, is worth it for me to try and, and build something with, or is it better to just keep this person as a friend? So since I've been seeing these persons um, for a couple of months, um, these are the main goals that we have achieved so far. And with one particular client, there was a successful date and second date. So this, for me, has proven um, to be some success, definitely. What kind of fears have you seen with your clients when it comes to dating? Because I know with... Fears? Fears. Like, I know when you're going into a date, with, uh, with those of us on the spectrum, we tend to overthink a lot. And one of the big things is yeah. we, f- we get so many fears going for our mind. <laughs> Of is she gonna reject me? Is she gonna like me? Is she gonna like the way I look, the way I talk? Is she gonna respect the fact that I'm on the spectrum? Have you had any of those questions coming from your clients? Yes, I mean, as we said, one of the biggest questions is, you know, am I going to say something that's that's offensive, or I'm going to say something that makes me misunderstood? I think the the fear of being misunderstood is one of the biggest fears that I've seen from from my clients and also from from what I've researched and what I've studied. Um, Other fears were, of course, um, being liked in general, be it attractiveness, physical attractiveness, and personality-wise as well. Is this 
person going to like my personality, my, maybe my quirkiness or the kinds of hobbies that I have. Other fears are um, practical fears in the sense of what happens if I, if I blank out and um, I, I, I wouldn't know what to do in that situation. Do I just leave? Do I tell that person, okay, um, listen, I need a few minutes break and just go outside, maybe call somebody and then come back. These are the kinds of main fears um, that I've had. I've also, um, I'm just thinking about it now, had a fear of um, basically uh, the person was um, asked to pick a place where they were going to go for the date. So they were worried, really worried about which place do I choose. And we spent a lot of time saying, okay, is it best to go for a coffee? date or is it best to go for a dinner date and if I have a dinner date what if they think that I eat strangely um, and these are the kind of um, the kind of scenarios that we would go through to see what would be the least triggering situation for the person interesting very interesting now how do how do you guys out there in Malta take in those of us on the spectrum, is, are they very welcoming? Are they standoffish because they don't understand it? No, I mean, as, as willingness, we are um, all trained professionals in the therapeutic counseling uh, psychological field. So we are all trained to work with, with different persons, mm -hmm. with different um, issues. When it comes to um, those of us working directly with persons um, that have autism, for example, um, I mean, this is, this is our job. So uh, this is what we love to do. So at least I'd like to believe <laughs> that we are very approachable and very welcoming. Um, and um, I mean, the, the way that our clinic works, it's highly, highly confidential. Everything is super secure and safe. So from A to Z, everything is explained from the first phone call that you make until your very last session. Everything is very clear and transparent, which makes it easier for somebody to feel comfortable to, to attend any kind of therapeutic or educational sessions. And the way that it works is that um, when somebody's interested to to become um, a client of willingness, they first have an intake meeting with, with myself or one of my colleagues where basically we um, gather the history of the person, be it family history, be it um, the history of, of the problem itself. And then depending on, um, on the situation, we match with the most appropriate professional in the team. And they are matched um, first of all, on profession itself. So if somebody came for career guidance, we're going to match them with a career guidance professional, but also on personality. So this is something that we take very, um, um, we keep in mind and we'll give a lot of importance because people are going to vibe differently with, with different mm -hmm. professionals as with everything else. So this is part of the process that makes it a bit more um, welcoming and also very tailored to the specific client. And then when, uh, when it comes to the sessions with me, because those are the ones I can, I can talk about, they would then meet me. I would have already been prepared for the session because I have this information from beforehand. And then from there, we, we, we start our, our um, educational program. And then it's very tailored to the person. So because it's dependent completely on what the person's goal is. Um, so I would say that overall, it's, it's a very approachable and welcoming um, place, be it online, in person, and yeah. How have you dealt with, I'm pretty sure you've had your clients who are on the spectrum who are very shy. 
How did you handle yes. that breaking of that, taking down that shyness barrier so they're more open and more susceptive to everything going on? So they see there's more out there and they're more friendly towards everyone. I think it's something that comes by time in the sense that um, I like to, to go with what my client is comfortable with and I push them to a level where I, I know that they are comfortable being pushed towards. So um, I do spend a lot of time building the relationship with the personal client to see that, you know, they are at a point that they trust me enough that when I say, okay, let's practice this or let's try this, they are open to do that. So there is a lot of work done in the first uh, few sessions to get to know the client and also to, you know, explain how everything works step by step. So the person knows, you know, okay, this is what the next step is. I feel comfortable with that. No, I want to work a bit more on the stage that we are right now. And this makes it a bit easier than to start breaking shyness because if we are, you know, approaching step by step and we are successfully achieving that step, then that person feels more comfortable to move on to the next step. So to give a practical example, if we're working on body language, um, if a client is, is very shy to try a role play, then we won't go there um, until they feel more comfortable to do that. And then once we try it and they see, oh, it's not that bad, then we'll go on to the next stage. So I do spend a lot of time um, basically understanding what the person's boundaries and limitations are so that we can work within those boundaries and within the comfort of that person. And I found that that, that works best. And that's why it's super personalized because there isn't a one fit all kind of process or program. Um, and it's very dependent on what the person wants to achieve. Shyness is something that um, throughout uh, any kind of client, be it on, on the spectrum or not, is something that can be a difficult thing, especially if we've brought up, been brought up in, in a way that it's, it's normal to, to be shy or to be um, you know, less comfortable talking openly about yourself and your difficulties. This is something that is very common for people to feel uncomfortable with, opening up about what they're finding difficult. So it's also about normalizing the fact that it is okay to be shy and it is okay to be uncomfortable to talk about dating, sex, and relationships, especially if it's something new. So this is kind of the mindset that I bring into the sessions, and I think that helps with the shyness. All right. Well, anyways, it's been great talking with you, and I'm pretty sure your clinic has, your clinic has gotten pretty high reviews, I'm guessing, from the success rate you, you had with all your clients and I wish you guys many, many more and hopefully Thank you're welcome. You. And hopefully when these borders open up and stuff, I, I plan to come visit Malta. Yes, definitely. I'd love to have you come by and see the clinic and also I'll show you different places around Malta. Thank you very much for having me and thank you very much for creating this kind of platform where we can connect across different countries and discuss these kinds of topics. So yeah, well done on, on all your all the work that you're Thank doing. Thank you. And why don't you just lastly just tell people how they can reach out to you if they ever want to contact the clinic and maybe schedule a meeting with you? Sure. Um, so um, we have various uh, methods that to be contacted. Um, the main one is via email on info at willingness.com.mt. 
We also have our website, www.willingness.com.mt. And then you can find us as Willingness Team on Instagram and on LinkedIn. And on TikTok, we are um, at Dating 101. Well, anyway, thank you very much, Nicola. It's been a pleasure talking with you. And I wish you and your colleagues you. and the rest of your clinic a very much success. Thank you very much. Thank you. And take you care. Bye-bye. Bye. We live on borrowed time.